Hello and welcome to the Helix Reviews Podcast. My name is David Arrington, bringing you reviews from a Christian geek worldview. And today on the show, I'm going to be talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The MCU is back again, this time with a completely new character, Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi. I, I called him Shang-Chi before. You probably have heard me call him Shang-Chi if you've listened to me talk about this movie before. But pronounced in the movie, it's more like Shang-Chi, kind of? Shang-Chi? Anyway, uh, I'm going to pronounce it Shang-Chi because uh, I'm an American and that's how I'm going to pronounce it. <laughs> the latest Marvel movie. Of course, I was excited for this one. Always excited for a new addition to the MCU. So without any further ado, let's just get right into Shang-Chi. Throughout my life, the Ten Rings gave our family power. If you want them to be yours one day, you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Shang-Chi is trying to live a normal life in America, but then when his, his past is revealed, when his father comes to town, is the, the head of the Ten Rings, and he has a nefarious purpose, and it is up to Shang-Chi to stop him. You are a product of all who came before you. The legacy of your family. You are your mother. And whether you like it or not, you are also your father. Themes, messages, ideas, this is the, the part of the show where I dive into what Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is talking about. Now, the the overall theme of this movie, I would say, is that uh, everything in your past, this is, this is something that, that different characters say in different ways throughout the movie, and this kind of seems to be the, the overarching uh, message that kind of wraps up this movie, is that everything in your past makes you who you are. Uh, don't be afraid of your past. Don't run away from your past. Ultimately, embrace your past and embrace who you are and where you've come from, but don't necessarily follow in those footsteps necessarily. Just learn from your past, understand where your past is coming from, and own it, but move forward from there. And kind of the overarching uh, perspective of that message is with your family, kind of with with your with your lineage, you know, because his his father comes to town and you got, you know, you see some of his past, you see some of the the people that's kind of connected with him, and kind of the the good and bad that comes out of that, and and he you know runs away to America to uh to hide. You know, he, he's trying to hide from his past, hide from his lineage. He's trying to discard anything that has to do with his past. But ultimately, kind of the message here is that you, you don't you don't have to run away from it. You don't have to shy away from it. You don't have to turn your back on it, even if it's not all positive, you know, and his, his father is the leader of the Ten Rings here. His father, you know, is the, the Mandarin, right? And so he's, you know, not the, the, the good, the good guy, the good father that, you know, he should have been, but you don't have to deny the past that's there because the past that is there is something that, that shapes you as, 
a person, which I, I believe is true and has actually kind of a, a biblical idea. I mean, lineage is important, right? Like, you look at the Bible, lineage is very important. I mean, just uh, obvious example, I guess, is read the first 17 verses in Matthew, right? You know, it's a it's a, a bunch of people that, that leads up to Jesus, ultimately, you know? The Bible is full of, of genealogies, right? And that is because genealogy, our past, our lineage, and the people leading up to us is important. That's, that's, that's important to God and it should be important to us then. Right. Uh, you know, and then, you know, Exodus 25, uh, I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sins of the parents for the third and fourth generation. Those of those who hate me. Uh, so, you know, there, another example of, uh, of a lineage of of something kind of being passed down from parents to children to children and there's there's uh positive examples of that in the bible too but but my point is that yes lineage is important yes the people that you know that that are your parents and that that raised you and that are in your past are the people that ultimately brought you to the point of where you are and ultimately yeah that's you know, it may not all be positive, it may not all be, you know, great, but it's something that you should own, and it's something that you should learn from, and it's something that, you know, it's kind of your establishing point, and it's something that you can build off of to, uh, to, to bigger and better things, ultimately, right? Now, what I would say is a, a pretty good core kind of message here, uh, is kind of wrapped around this like ancient Chinese mythology kind of thing going on in here. Uh, they they don't dive too much into the religious aspects of that. I guess that this what what are the spiritual uh, <laughs> ramifications of that are or anything. It, it is to a certain extent. It's almost more of a a set dressing as far as some of that stuff goes than it is the actual deeper themes of the movie unless there there's something i'm missing there i get the impression from some of the that stuff that does pop up in the movie it seems like more of a maybe becoming one with nature or kind of thing or, or i don't know i don't know exactly i don't know too much about uh that religion specifically but this this overall what i would say is a positive message is, is kind of draped over this uh this foreign you know ideology here ultimately uh but overall, I would say a, a decent message in here. I told my men they wouldn't be able to kill you if they tried. Glad I was right. Shang-Chi is not a character that I know from the comics hardly at all. I have technically read him in some comics. He was in some like team-up comics and stuff that I've read. So I've technically read him a little bit in the comics, but I know very little about this guy. Really, I was I was excited for this movie based purely on the Marvel brand. You know, I was excited for this movie because it's the same people that made the Iron Man movies, the Thor movies, the Avengers movies, all these movies that I really love. And so that, and the trailers looked awesome. But going into this, I'm going, okay, you're introducing this like martial arts, like Kung Fu kind of master, you know? And that's, that seems to be his main shtick. And so it's like, okay, what, 
what I want from this movie then, I think this should be your your good, solid Marvel movie, but it needs to have amazing action. If you're gonna have the martial arts, like, master kind of character, it needs to have great action. And it does. I thought the action in here was awesome. This is more so than... Uh, almost any of the MCU movies, except for like Winter Soldier, maybe uh, because of him, of Captain America versus the Winter Soldier, but more so than almost any Marvel movie, it's really the focus is hand to hand combat. Uh, more so than, you know, flying around Thor with the hammer, you know, that kind of stuff. Very much focused on the hand to hand kind of action kind of combat. And. It's awesome. It is very cool. Uh, just very well choreographed, very well set up. Amazing like set pieces and stuff going on. The I mean the set piece with the the bus that you get a glimpse of in the trailer is fantastic, man. And there there is uh, multiple set pieces with just some really cool action. You know this is something that you know moving forward. Let's that that's they definitely need to keep that. That is definitely needs to be. A mainstay for this series of Marvel movies is just the the really excellent focus on on the action and the the kind of the very kind of intricate, uh, very detailed hand to hand combat kind of action, which is is just really really solid in this movie. But ultimately, action is not what carries a movie, right? It can make it cool, it can make it fun, it can make it different things, but what carries a movie is the characters and the story, ultimately. So let's talk about the characters. My favorite thing in a movie, generally speaking, uh, Simu Lu, probably just mispronounced that, plays uh, Shang-Chi, and he's great. He's a, he's a very fun protagonist, uh, very kind of down-to-earth, relatable-seeming kind of guy, and, and just... Uh, yeah, a very fun protagonist. He's definitely a guy that can carry an action movie, and I would, you know, love to see join the Avengers in the future, potentially, maybe. Let's go. Uh, Aquafina in here is the, the main, uh, female lead character here. Um, she's great. I think she's a, she's a, a funny actress, and, uh, she, they maybe, like, push the humor a little bit at certain points too much, I think, in this movie. Uh, but, but overall, I think the movie is, uh, is funny in a way that, that, very much fits with all the MCU movies and is very fun and entertaining, you know. And Aquafina is very much the uh, kind of the the comedic relief character, uh, while also being the uh, I guess romantic interest type character too. But she's good. She's very good. She's a very uh, positive, like kind of sees the best in everybody uh, type of character. And yeah, she's good. Tony Leung plays Shang-Chi's father, uh, the real Mandarin, unlike the Mandarin that was in Iron Man 3. Uh, <laughs> we got the real Mandarin here. And he's good. He's, he's a, a good villain in the MCU here. I think that, uh, you know, MCU having kind of wishy-washy villains as far as the, the good ones versus the bad ones, this is one that I think lands on the good side. I think uh, his, uh, his relationship with his son is interesting. His relationship that we see with his family uh, is interesting and, and fairly well done. Uh, I think there's... Uh, there's maybe some aspects of that I think that that could have been slightly stronger maybe to, to show the bond between them maybe a little bit stronger or something uh, but I think that dynamic is interesting I think his villainy in here is is interesting and I think they did some cool stuff with his character I, I liked him I liked I think they they did the real Mandarin uh, very well 
And I think the the way they kind of the introduced the the ten rings and everything that's uh, around him, I think is pretty cool. And that the you know that's something that's been around since the original Iron Man. And so it's like I, I could totally see, you know, I could see that working its way into other MCU properties too. You know, it's like it it was in Iron Man, but you only kind of briefly knew it. It didn't like. It was, I guess it was technically important in Iron Man, but it wasn't necessarily important that it was them. Uh, I guess I could see this kind of being in the MCU in the same way that, like, Hydra or AIM is in the MCU. Like, that can uh, pop up at different points or something. I, I think that could be something that we see uh, with the Ten Rings a little bit more, perhaps, maybe. Uh, I think it's kind of a interesting... Uh, you know, the evil crime syndicate or whatever they are, you'll have to watch the movie to figure out. Uh, <laughs> story-wise, the movie is pretty good. It's not, I don't necessarily think it will, uh, go anywhere that will shock you too much necessarily as far as the story itself goes. Uh, I think there is a little bit of missed opportunity. I think that there's, uh, I guess there's a couple of story points in this movie that they kind of bring up and then they just... They don't really address it again. They, they bring up some interesting, like, character beats that I think they they could have brought back later that I think would have been really interesting. But then they kind of just bring it up the one time and then just leave it. And, and like, the, the plot, it, everything resolves itself, right? Like, it's all resolved. But there's some, some story beats that I think if they played with a little bit more... Uh, could have made the drama a little bit more dramatic, ultimately. Uh... The, and they didn't. And the, the drama is there and it's enough and it's it's fun, it's entertaining, and you're totally into the characters and into the action. This is a, a fun popcorn action movie. You know, this is this is more the, the fun, entertaining popcorn, uh, you know, maybe I guess closer to like Iron Man than it is closer to, you know, Avengers Infinity War or something, you know. Uh, and that is okay because this movie is a lot of fun. And I think the like the, the set design and the character design and some of that kind of stuff is really cool too. You know, like I said earlier, they kind of play with uh, some of the ancient Chinese kind of mythology and stuff and they kind of uh visually they kind of throw some of that stuff in there in some cool ways i think and uh yeah i think some of the stuff they do with like with the set design with some of the costumes and stuff is cool uh the, speaking of the costumes shang chai gets his comic book outfit the red comic book outfit you know uh which is is decently cool honestly his comic book outfit isn't anything too spectacular in the comic books in my opinion and so when it's translated into the big screen it's like it's a it's a fairly accurate uh translation i guess i think it looks it looks a little bit different but uh but overall i think it's a, a decent adaptation and it's a it's a decently cool costume but it's not one of the cooler avengers costumes in my opinion but ultimately uh pretty cool there overall this movie is a lot of fun this movie i think uh it you know could it have been a little bit better yeah sure i think it could have been but overall i think it's a lot of fun it's some cool new characters in the MCU that I absolutely want to see moving forward. Uh, you know, just some fun connections to the MCU and just overall a great time. I thought I could change my name. Start a new life. But I could never escape his shadow. My son. Can't run from your past. 
Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is rated PG-13 for sequences of violence and action and language. I would give it a four out of five stars on the enjoyability scale. Is this what you wanted? Thank you. Spoiler time, and now's the time I'm going to talk about spoilers for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So, if you haven't seen the movie, don't listen ahead, or do if you want to, but you've been warned, just so you know, so there you go, so you've been warned. Alright, I've given you enough time, let's talk about some spoilers here, uh, and, and while I'm thinking about it, I'm going to specifically talk about the, the character moments that I felt were left off. Uh, specifically, the biggest one to me was when he was like, alright, fine, I'm going to do what my, my father trained me to do, and I'm going to kill. So I'm going to kill my dad to ultimately, you know, end his reign of terror kind of thing. You know, he, he's going to go kill that whole village of people, so I'm going to stop him. But... And it's like, oh, interesting. Like, like they're they're kind of they're going there. They're gonna, you know. And and I, you know, I expected him to not have to kill him or decide not to kill him or something, right? You know, so I didn't actually expect him to to kill him. But it's like I, I think that's kind of an interesting character moment, and they could have played with that in the finale. They could have done something with that in the finale. But that moment comes up, and it's like, oh, interesting. And then the finale comes around, and. It, he doesn't really, I mean, he beats his dad up, sure, but he, he doesn't really try to kill him, and nothing really comes of that. There's really no need for him to kill him, because ultimately he dies at the, the you know, the fangs of the, the dragon, you know? So it's like, ultimately, he doesn't even really need to kill him, and that, that story plot thread is, is never even brought up again, and I think it, it really, it could have had a bigger impact at the end, in my opinion, if he was going to kill him and then he decides not to or something, you know? And it's not like Marvel's shy to go there because that's how Black Panther was introduced, right? In in, in Civil War, you know? He, he was, like, going in for the kill, you know? Uh, you could have had something along those lines or, or maybe he was gonna kill him and then the, the dragon killed him first and then he has to kind of deal with that fact that he was willing to go that far, you know, or, or something. However they would have went with that, they should have played with that a little bit more to make that impact at the end of the movie a little bit stronger, ultimately. Because to me, while I liked the Mandarin as a villain, I thought the way he went out was a little bit anticlimactic. Because it's just suddenly there's this, this big monster, which was cool. I'll talk about the dragons in a minute. But... But ultimately, suddenly, there was this big monster, and it, it sucks the life out of him, and that's just kind of the end of him. And it's like, you know, I guess it it leave it left a little bit to be desired for me, because I, I felt that there should have been a little bit more of an emotional punch than there was there. You know, you get that moment where the the, the father looks at his son, and he gives him the, the rings, which was cool. That, that was a cool moment, actually. But I think that... I don't know, I guess I think they should have played with the the, the moment where he talked about he's, alright, I, I guess I have to kill my dad, you know, or, or struggled with that a little bit more, just brought that up a little bit, I think, could have made that, that punch a little bit harder at the end and made that even a little bit better. And so ultimately, while I liked the story and I liked the movie and I liked these characters, that 
that moment felt, I guess, a little bit weaker to me than ultimately it could have been. But while we're talking about the dragons, because we we just mentioned those, dude, awesome. Okay, so <laughs> uh, in my opinion, the the bad dragon looked way cooler than the good dragon, though. I just gotta say that the good dragon, it's uh, I guess it's like it's like anime style dragon or something. It's like it's the dragon that looks like a snake with stubby legs, and which is is I don't know, it's fine, but it's not as cool. As the big beast looking dragon, you know, uh, not not quite a uh, American, you know, Western looking dragon, but like a but like a big beast kind of with tentacle taily kind of things going around. Very cool looking dragon in my opinion. That one. So like ultimately, I was like, dude, the. <laughs> the villainous dragon looks way cooler to me but when I said that to the people in the car ride home everybody was like uh no what are you talking about so I'm wrong on that front I guess uh <laughs> but when they go to the village like that whole thing is really cool you know like like uh it's it is very it is very similar it, maybe Shang-Chi has this in his backstory in the comics I have no idea but it is very similar to Iron Fist and his story and going back to his village where there's all the mystical people that do kung fu and stuff you know it's like it is so similar that that once again it, it makes me think and I think I've said this on an earlier episode but once again it makes me think would they have just made an Iron Fist series if they didn't make that Iron Fist series. Would they have just made this an Iron Fist movie if they hadn't already made it Iron Fist into a series earlier or something? Is Did that make them shy away a little bit? I don't know. I don't know how much they, like, Marvel to proper considers the, those TV shows canon or not. I don't know. But this so feels like it, it could have been the Iron Fist movie uh, in so many ways. Even, like, the overarching story in certain ways with him kind of... Uh, running off to America is similar to, uh, you know, Iron Fist's story as he leaves his place and runs off to America, you know? So it's like, it's, I don't know, there, there's multiple similarities that make me wonder, but also it could just be kind of the, the tropes of the, the kind of kung fu, this kind of genre, you know? Uh, okay, let's talk about the Mandarins. Yes, two Mandarins. First off, the Mandarin that's the real Mandarin, uh, his father in here. Uh, first off, I guess the rings. I guess I probably could have talked about this, this in the spoiler-free section, but the, the, the rings are the, the rings that are on his wrist and not on his fingers. Just visually speaking, I kind of like the all the different rings on the fingers. I think that's kind of a, a cool look uh but the the rings on the the wrist it, it kind of makes more sense for the movie i suppose uh but also d isn't the mandarin's rings it's like it's more like the infinity stones right where each individual one controls a separate like element or controls something else and he can do all different kinds of things with all the different rings i'm pretty sure that's how it works in the comics uh in the movie they're just like they're just shoot out energy beams and he can like kind of boost with them to fly and he can like swing them around to be a shield they, they just have like they're they're more energy projectile type weapons uh as opposed to well the the rings are energy projectile weapons too but like all the different kinds right they because uh, I'm pretty sure the Mandarin in the comics has, like, all different kinds of crazy powers that he can do with all his different rings, which, you know, are all different, you know? So it's like, uh, these ones are all much more streamlined, all much more the same, which is maybe more easy to uh, understand and explain and everything in a movie so that you, that you have a more manageable villain, maybe, because they don't want a 
Thanos Thanos level threat or something for a character uh, like Shang Chi to fight. You know, uh, not that the Mandarin would be a, Shang- a Thanos level threat, but you know what I'm saying. Like they that that because that would that would change things up quite a bit. You know, so I mean to a, to a certain extent, I think it's a bit of a missed opportunity as far as that goes. As far as uh, what the, the, some of the powers maybe that the Mandarin could have had, but at the other, on the other hand, it's like, I kind of understand that limited down that power a bit, uh, though I'm so glad, and I hope this carries through, I'm so glad that he gave the rings to Shang-Chi, and it looks like Shang-Chi kept the rings. I was so expecting him to be like, I can't keep these rings, you know, these were my father's, or whatever, and take them off and, like, set them aside. Or when uh, Wong came in and was like, hey, I need to look at your rings, I was expecting him to say, I'm gonna keep these, you can't have these back or something. But it didn't seem like that happened. It seems like he still has the rings, he's still in control of the rings, and moving forward, he will probably be using the rings to fight his villains and stuff, right? Like... I'm so glad that that happens, because how often does it happen that they'd like, oh, no, I'm going to, you know, you could get this awesome power from whoever you're fighting or whatever, you know, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Star-Lord gets this awesome power from his dad. Uh, Ultimately, though, when his dad dies, his power goes away because his power was connected to his dad and stuff. So, you know, it makes sense why it goes away, but you can't have Star-Lord running around being this insanely powerful that he was at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. You can have have Shang-Chi with the rings. The rings make him more powerful, for sure, make him very powerful, but more powerful than Thor, more powerful than Captain Marvel, more powerful than some of these other, you know, Marvel characters that are on the on the team in the Avengers or stuff, like, no, not, not necessarily, I don't think, they, you know, I guess it makes it so maybe he could fight them, you know, but it's not like he's so insanely overpowered to, to, make, you know, the Avengers a harder movie to make or something, you know, it's like, I I totally think he should have the rings moving forward, right, you know, and maybe he can have the rings for a movie or two and then it breaks or something, I don't know, you you could mess with that, but I'm so glad he has the the rings moving forward now, that that really made me happy because I was so worried that they were just going to go, oh, I, I can't use these rings, nobody should use these rings anymore, and he gets rid of them or something, you know, it's like, I was... Just so expecting that to happen. But no. His father passed down his legacy to his kid. And now his, ki- his kid's going to move forward with it. Uh, though be better than him, ultimately. Uh, talking to the after credit scenes. Uh, l- well, let's talk about the, uh, the, 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 the second after credit scene first real quick here. Because uh, the after credit scene with the second one is now... We got a new Mandarin, I guess. So wait, we have three Mandarins in this movie? Whoa. Uh, so Shang-Chi's sister, who's also a good character in this movie, I guess I didn't really talk about her in the review, but she's also a good character in this movie, is ultimately becoming the new Mandarin, is also is ultimately sitting on the throne of the Ten Rings, leading the Ten Rings. By the way, that small nitpick, but... In in that after credit scene, she's in there like whatever she's doing. She's in her room, and the the dude comes in and is like, "They're ready." And so she walks out, sits on the throne. The camera zooms out, and like nobody's there. Like, <laughs> who 
was who was ready? Like she sits down on the throne. There's some like people fighting, practicing out in the yard, and there's like some people walking around. Who was ready that she needed to go out and see? She just sat there and was like sat all cool, like oh yeah, I'm the new Mandarin, oh yeah. But like there was nobody that she was seeing. Anyway, small, <laughs> small nitpick is just like huh when I saw that, but uh. The fact that she's going to turn out to be the manor totally makes sense. It's a, it's a natural fit. She was already kind of a uh, dubious character that's like, that, that fought for good ultimately at the end of the movie. But when you meet her, you know, she started her own, you know, fight club and stuff. Like she, she was already doing her own illegal thing because her father wouldn't pass her, uh, you know, wouldn't give her the reins ultimately to... Uh, what she thought she deserved, you know, ultimately to the Ten Rings. Her father dies, and now she takes over the Ten Rings. Makes sense. Interesting. I think I definitely think it'll be some interesting stuff moving forward. Uh, oh yeah, it said the legend, the the Ten Rings will return, right? Didn't they say that? So yeah, they'll they'll definitely be back somewhere. I'm curious to see uh, where they'll show up, whether that be uh, Shang-Chi 2 or whether that be you know one of the TV shows or something. I don't know. Either way. Very interesting, very intriguing. Yeah, I like that. Uh, okay, well, let's, real quick, let's let's circle back. Let's go back now to the the next Mandarin because I talked about two Mandarins now. I guess let's talk about the third Mandarin or the second Mandarin that I didn't talk about in the middle. Is this confusing enough? Good. All right, uh, <laughs> Trevor Slattery, aka Ben Kingsley from Iron Man Three, is back in this movie. So. They're like stuck in his dungeon, right? And, and you're, and then you hear him, you see him, and I go, "Oh, okay, this is fun, this is cool," but I expected him to be there, you know, thirty seconds for a minute, and that be it. I did not expect him to come out of the dungeon and be there for the rest of the movie. That is kind of insane, but it was fun. Ultimately, he's a fun character. He's he's very comedic. He's very stupid kind of character. Uh, he's a character that I think they could very easily overplay their hand with, with how dumb and comedic kind of his character is. Uh, whether they overplayed their hand is uh, maybe up to a question a little bit, but ultimately, I had I had fun with him. I thought he was fun. I thought he was funny. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, I, I think it's kind of cool that they they bring him back for this because he was the he was the fake out in Iron Man 3. He's like, "Oh, the Mandarin and it looked all cool, you know, and he had the more traditional, I think, uh, 10 rings, didn't he?" But then it's all revealed, nope, he's not the Mandarin and the real Mandarin and all this kind of stuff, and it's like, "Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting." You know, it's it's very very it's very fun. You know, it's it's cool that they tied that in. They really, they didn't need to. The fact that that is in there for fans and it is very, it's like a, it's a, it's a decent portion of the movie. It's, it's definitely something that is focused on for a period of time. And, uh, and it's cool. It's cool. Let's talk about the second after credits scene now with, uh, with Wong. Okay, so... Wong, uh, Wong, by the way, shows up earlier in the movie fighting Abomination. That's cool. Why does he have Abomination? Why are they in contact and working together? Last we heard, he was like in some prison somewhere or something, right? Was Isn't that right? I, I seem to remember that. Um, but him there fighting with Wong, it was a fun sequence. It's kind of intriguing to see more of the Abomination. I'm, I, 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 I kind of want to see more of the Abomination now. You know, I already liked his character from previously. I kind of want to see more of him now, you know? Um, I don't think he talked in this. I think he just, like, grunted and stuff. Whereas he totally talked in The Incredible Hulk, right? So it's like, he he should, he should talk? Yeah, maybe they just didn't want to get the actor back or something. I don't know. Anyway, Wong back 
that's pretty fun. Uh, him coming in, he he says, okay, I got to take a look at your rings. He looks at the rings. He he calls up, hey, yo, uh, Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner, what, what do you guys think of this? And they talk to, so they both get a little cameo. That's pretty cool. Uh, and then... The, the decision is made, or the, the observation is made, that these rings are of nothing of this Earth. Okay, interesting, but uh, but there's lots of other Earths and stuff in this universe. But then Captain Marvel's like, there's nothing alien that I recognize. Which, I mean, does Captain Marvel know everything alien? Presumably not. But... For all intents and purposes, that's to say it's it's not really alien, it's not really terrestrial, it's not really extraterrestrial. So what is this thing? Looking at the overarching uh, phase four that they got planned out here, the big, big focus of phase four really seems to be the multiverse. So my thought with this, okay, not terrestrial, not extraterrestrial, not some mystical artifact that they know of. What is this thing? Well, maybe it's from the multiverse, right? Maybe it is from some other universe or something, and somehow it got brought into this universe, and that's I don't know, maybe that can be the connection to the multiverse, maybe because uh, it seems like with like basically every movie, coming up in the MCU for the next phase. Almost every movie has some connection to the multiverse. This one did not have a clear connection to the multiverse, but it very well could have been this. This could be the connection to the multiverse. We don't know where this comes from. Did it come from someplace in the multiverse? Uh, the, you know, the, the Ten Rings will return. Will we learn wherever they return? Will we learn in Shang-Chi 2? Will we learn in one of the other movies or something? I don't know, but it does have me curious. It has me very curious if that's where they're going with this. If they're going somewhere else, I don't know where they came from in the comics, you know. In this, it's like, oh, maybe he stole it from a tomb. Maybe he took it from someplace. I don't know. It's just, it's completely mystery, you know, in here. So it's like, oh, this 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 makes me think it's probably the multiverse connection, right? Because they're, they're trying to make this whole phase, at least, all about the multiverse, which is exciting. I think they can do some cool stuff with that. I think they can do some bad stuff with that. I think they got to be careful with the multiverse because you can, the, the multiverse can make your story irrelevant. So as long as they don't do that, which I think, I think Marvel's pretty smart and Kevin Feige's pretty smart about how they'll handle that kind of stuff. I, I assume that they'll be smart about how they can handle that kind of stuff. It seems like they're kind of smart about how they are handling the MCU as a, as a whole, right? So I think they'll be able to handle it, but it, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's dangerous, right? All right, so that's all that pops into my head when I'm thinking for spoilers for this movie. Oh yeah, the trees that move around when they're driving through them. Pretty cool, like a cool idea for a weird maze kind of thing that goes into an alternate reality. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, so that's it. That's all I can think of here uh, as far as the spoilers that I, I want to talk about for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. What did you think about this movie? What's the spoilers you want to talk about? Shoot me an email, helixreviewspodcast at gmail.com and let me know. Uh, coming up on the show, there's some uh, good-looking movies coming up, including Malignant, which looks really cool. I am pretty sure that's coming out very soon. Uh, and also some other stuff that looks pretty cool that uh, that I can't think of right now, but there's definitely movies coming out that looks cool. All the movies are just, like, backed up at the end of the year here. You know, at the, at the beginning of the year, there was, like, nothing coming out, man. It was a drought. 
And now, now it's like all those movies that were crammed up because they weren't releasing them before. Bam, 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 bam. Let's just releasing everything now. And it's a, it's a, it's a good time to be a movie fan, you know. Uh, <laughs> that's it for this time, guys. Uh, don't forget to stay tuned until after the the tunes at the end here for the the Marvel What If review with me and Josiah. That's it. See you guys. Bye bye. Hello, this is David and Josiah, back with another What If review. Uh, today we're talking about episode number two, What If T'Challa Became a Star-Lord. Remember, uh, there will be spoilers uh, in these segments for this episode, so spoilers for this episode. Josiah, what did you think of episode two? This one was a whole lot of fun. Yes. I was wondering how they were going to have someone who came from a very closed-off tribe be the Star-Lord since, you know, in the movies, it's the son of Ego the Planet, and in the yeah. comics, it's the son of some emperor of a space-fearing yeah. nation or something. Um, so I was wondering, it's like, how does that work? But uh, they worked it really well. They just kidnapped the wrong child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they're like, hey, we like this kid. We're gonna keep him around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then him growing up to be, to still be kind of the T'Challa that we know and love, you know, from Black Panther, from Wakanda, and all that. You know, still him being the the noble guy and using his the leadership qualities that he has to bring people together way better than Star-Lord, than you know, Peter Quill ever does, than Yondu ever does. You know, he, he, you know, people like, you know, Taserface was in there, who was, you know, the people who rebelled in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, even Thanos showing up because, you know, he had a, a good argument against Thanos' plan that apparently Thanos listened to. I, I don't know how well that would have worked, but but that's what happened. <laughs> that was a fun thing I didn't expect, just to have him, like, along for the ride. Because we've never seen him as anything but a big bad villain. Right, right. So this is kind of him as part of the crew, you know, and then... Seeing kind of that dynamic with the rest of the group. It's really fun. But he kept bringing up his idea and talking about yeah. it to people. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, I really think there was something to that plan. <laughs> yeah. It would have yes. been efficient. <laughs> they had a lot of characters we know from the movies in different uh, roles than they otherwise would have been like when they went to the collector those who worked for thanos in the movies were working for the collector here yeah so you got to see those familiar characters but at one point they were the ones feeding up thanos yeah <laughs> yeah it's cool to see yeah all, all these different kind of the galactic characters that we you know haven't seen in uh or that, that we've seen in in situations like where they're the big bads or they're the big bads leaders and stuff and here like you know the the dark order i think they're called is you know they're here and they're still the bad guys but now they're working under the collector and the collector 
who was like, you know, the seedy crime boss kind of guy, but on a little bit lower of a level, you know, Thanos moved out and he moved up kind of thing. And so then he's a big bad crime boss in this universe. And seeing seeing the collector here kind of makes me wish, man, I wish we we've gotten some more with the collector because I think the collector is a cool weirdo character that you know they've just done a little bit with because you know he kind of served his purpose in the guardians of the galaxy movies and Mm -hmm. maybe he was in i think he was in the infinity war if i remember right but for the most part uh you know very minimal role with him and seeing this has kind of made me go dude you know i would like to see more with the collector you know see what else they could do with him yeah the one thing that i did find kind of interesting in this is that Nebula is a part of the team. Nebula's there as like a regular character seemingly, and Gamora is not. Which makes me wonder what happened there. Did you know, did did Gamora become the more bitter character that is now off somewhere else, you know, like and why, you know, Nebula has the hair, so she's not as it probably didn't go as far down the line with Thanos like breaking off her body pieces and replacing them with cyborg parts and stuff. They didn't go that far down the line with that, that she still has hair and stuff, um, which is weird. <laughs> it's kind of weird <laughs> just looking at her like a nebula with hair. But anyway, yeah. I don't know. It makes me question, you know, what, what happened there? Why is Gamora not here? Yeah. She said something about she had a debt to pay to the collector, and then she kind of, you know, it kind of put her hand over her eye where she's got the bionics around her eye. It almost made it seem like her eye came from the collector, not from Thanos putting that in her. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like that that was uh, different in her story. Yeah, yeah. And then you also didn't have Rocket or Groot in the mix either. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, huh. I guess maybe with Rocket and Groot... Rocket didn't want to give up his life a crime, maybe? Or something? <laughs> he still wanted to be the bounty hunter? Maybe. Though Groot totally would, bro. You know? like <laughs> Groot has a good heart. They could have a what if where Groot can talk. Oh, yeah. Groot talks <laughs> and everybody else can't. Everybody else can't. <laughs> well, this, this was a fun episode. I think they did a good job of keeping some of his black panther character qualities but also giving him some peter quill star lord qualities and kind of just mixing both of those characters because this character kind of was a nice blend of both of those yeah yeah so overall very good episode yeah very very fun definitely better than the first episode in my opinion and uh yeah i just think that yeah this series holds so much potential and yeah, it was really good. So until next time, bye bye, guys. See ya. My daddy did All right, you gotta be quiet. Okay, okay. Now you gotta be quiet.